0: This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. No better time to record a podcast than during a blizzard. It's not like I'm going anywhere anyway. Recording on Monday afternoon, the 22nd of January. Yes, there is a blizzard here in the Twin Cities metropolitan area. So I am stuck in the studio. No reason to hop in the car and possibly get stuck even with four-wheel drive, all-wheel drive. Chances of getting stuck are certainly up there. So, hey, I'm here in the studio. I may as well record a new podcast. So away we go with Scoop Podcast episode 123. We'll start with the twins, but first some love for one of the new sponsors of the Scoop Podcast. It is Skull Marketing. They are a business-to-business marketing agency. Your small business deserves more attention. Skoll Marketing specializes in working with local small businesses. They are a locally owned company themselves, started by two former Google employees to help the little guys compete. Skoll Marketing works with businesses in web development, pay-per-click advertising, and social media management among many areas. Let's make Google work for you. It is Skoll Marketing, online skollmarketing.com, or call now to schedule your free 30-minute consultation, 612-787-SKOLL, 612 612- 787 787-SKOL Skol Marketing, com. I was at Twins Fest over the weekend. The buzz as of Saturday is the Twins have yet to make a formal offer to free agent Yu Darvish, but they still are maintaining dialogue with his camp. The Twins are still very much in the mix for Yu Darvish. The news came over the weekend, confirmed by Darvish on his Twitter account, that the Milwaukee Brewers have made a formal offer. I think it's a matter of when not if the Twins also make a formal offer it's entirely possible that came sometime on monday i did reach out to several twins officials typically these officials get back to me at least one would get back to me nobody got back to me so i'm wondering if there's some smoke there i'll continue to follow that situation be sure to check my twitter account d wolfson but i can tell you as of saturday the twins had not made joel wolf you, Darvish's agent, a formal offer. But I'm telling you, it's a matter of when, not if they do. He remains the Twins' top priority, but they still are maintaining dialogue on free agents like Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb, Jake Arrieta. Arietta has the same agent as Jeremy Hellickson, so they've also asked... About Helixson, no, I don't see the Twins ending up with Helixson, but the point is they've inquired Wade Miley, Chris Tillman. These are all pitchers the Twins have had recent conversations about. Also, the Twins are not close to adding any sort of bat. I do think they will add a bat at some point. Heck, they could get Mike Napoli on a minor league deal before spring training. He is one name they are maintaining dialogue with, but they've also had talks on Logan Morrison. Lucas Duda, Todd Frazier, Matt Holliday, no one Jose Bautista. I mean Jose Bautista owns Target Field, right? You would think maybe the Twins, if you're inquiring about Matt Holliday and Todd Frazier, why wouldn't you inquire about Jose Bautista? But I checked over the weekend, there is nothing going on there. The Twins have not checked in on Jose Bautista all winter long but it remains a holding pattern a stare down until we have some closure on the you darvish situation i caught up with all the twins luminaries over the weekend at twins fest i will play back those conversations let's start with the manager paul molitor how was the caravan i mean fans hit you with a lot of questions and and saying hey we expect the playoffs again here in 2018
1: well my first comment is that was the first time i've done with dan with dan gladden and that that brought on a little different dynamic than the other ones that I've been on in the past. But, you know, with him and Jack Morris, we had Escobar and Busenitz. Um It was fun. The people's reaction, you know, they're always great. But we saw bigger numbers this year, a lot more enthusiasm. And uh, it's a great tradition for the Twins to recognize. They need to get out throughout Twins territory and and, uh, and, and have the fans have a chance to see some of the guys face-to-face.
0: Speaking of Busanitz, I mean, good pitcher. The velocity's there. He did a lot of good things for you last year, but nothing's guaranteed with all the moves you guys have made to add to the bullpen.
1: You know, if you do the math, there's there's really not a lot of openings, um, including some of the guys that came up and made an impact. And Boos, I thought, you know, handled himself well, his composure, um, didn't back down from guys. Um, but he's going to have to go down there and, and try to find a spot because with the additions, three veterans, along with some of the guys we already had, um, we're just looking out to – looking to fill out the bottom end and we got a lot of guys in that mix
0: are you assuming whether it's darvish lynn cobb arietta somebody you trade for that you are adding to your starting rotation
1: here in the (laughs) next few weeks i don't know if uh i would say that that list well it'll be one of those guys but i am confident that we will see some type of addition to deepen our options as we head into the start of the season
0: okay so the trade market then i mean are we forgetting about the trade market
1: no, no i just think that uh We're not sure what's going to happen with uh, Darvish and Arrieta in the first top tier, and then you got you know Lynn and Cobb and some of these people. Um, Obviously, you know teams as a whole are moving more cautiously in terms of long-term contracts for pitchers. I think track records of the last 25, 30 contracts, guys that have gotten five or more years, they a lot of them haven't turned out too well. So I think people are just getting a little smarter before they dip into that kind type of commitment. And if these guys come back. Um, We'll we'll see what happens. But there's also a couple more tiers down below there where guys are looking for jobs. And um, we're trying to see what makes the most sense for us. But I would be very surprised if we don't have another name or two before we start camp next month. Even two? You never know. You know, right now I look at our death chart and our rotation. And, you know, you go from Irvin and Jose and Gibby and hopefully a healthy Phil Hughes and Mejia. And, uh, you know, Trevor May, hope probably not till May. And then you've got guys like Gonzalez and Romero and Duffy and people that you might take a look at. But I would like to stretch that out a little bit. We used 17 starters last year. And, uh, you know, the more we can add to giving us options, I think the better we'll be.
0: Trevor May, May, you're saying?
1: I think that he's doing well. Um, I think our training staff has told me that most likely we'll have to be a little cautious as he gets back on track, being on the field facing hitters. The plan is now to try to gradually stretch him out to make him an option as a rotation guy more so than the bullpen right now. How's Phil Hughes doing? Uh, other than the kidney stones that I think is keeping him from Twins Fest that I heard about this morning, I think he's doing really well. I, I think anytime a guy hasn't pitched very much over the course of two years, uh, you got to be a little tentative on, on saying you're counting on this guy, but I know that if he's healthy, he can make a difference for us. Do
0: you feel like with the moves that are coming, the moves you've made, that you're narrowing that gap with the Indians, Astros, Yankees, Red Sox. Well,
1: I, I like how you think because I, without trying to dish my own team, we needed to narrow the gap and bridge it somewhat. When you saw the teams that advanced last four, last two, um, their pitching staffs were pretty impressive, you know. So um, we got guys kind of heading that direction. I think on the field uh, um, we can compete defensively and at the play with pretty much anybody, but we're trying to find ways to make sure that we can not only win the games that we're supposed to, but hopefully have more, more guys that can give us a chance to win from pitch one. Anything changed no. with that title of no, 2017 I, I, American League Manager of the Year? Doug, I, I was honored um, and I wasn't trying to be corny when I said it's more reflective of a organizational thing and um, you know, but it was nice. I, I have to admit that to come back after that season prior and, and put together a winning year and get to a playoff game um, but I also know that, you know, managers, uh, their jobs are a little bit, uh, you know, they're they're not overly stable all the time because you can go out and have a bad year and a manager of the year one year can be out the next. So, um, a nice honor, but we'll put that on the on the back shelf and look forward to uh, what 2018 brings.
0: Give me a name or two. Like last year, it'd be Trevor Hildenberger yeah. or Palunk or Buxton—a guy that's that's ready to make a big leap here in 2018.
1: Well, uh, to be honest, positionally, we're we're. Uh, our depth isn't great right now as far as guys that are very close. We'll, we'll be interested to see how you know, a guy like Gordon uh, comes on. I still think his bat's ahead of his defense and trying to find a position. Uh, you know, uh, but most of the guys on the offensive side we've seen to some degree at some point. The pitching, you know, I, I, I think um, Gonzalez has a chance to impact our team uh, somewhere along the way in the rotation. A guy like Romero who has started most of his minor league career. Some people think he could be on a fast track to help our bullpen, uh, and you know. And then you got some other guys that have been around down there that have that have had either one issue or another health. Uh, I like Reed a lot. He just hasn't been able to get over the hump. Got hurt last spring training, so we'll see how those guys do this year.
0: Before we get to Chief Baseball Officer Derek Falvey, I can add one note about the starting rotation. The idea in Fort Myers is to stretch out Tyler Duffy so they can have some flexibility starter. Or long reliever. But don't dismiss the idea, the possibility of Duffy going back to being a starter. I do know the plan is to stretch him out come March in fort myers here is
2: derek falvey is this weekend in your mind sort of the the unofficial start of the 2018 season it feels like it for sure right? you know anytime you get all your players together in one place it feels like you should be playing baseball or doing something baseball related so uh, we'll have a chance to talk to all of our players and, and really set the stage for some things in spring training uh anytime you get you know as i said you get everyone together you start thinking about the season
0: i mean is this almost like a work weekend too where you know, you'll have
2: play time, but sure. in terms of talking to guys, guys undergoing physicals, there's a lot of work to be done this weekend. Definitely, it works out great. You know, when you have everyone in town, this is certainly a fan event, a fan experience. But when we have a chance to spend some time with each player, talk about their off seasons a little bit more in depth, and we certainly stay in touch throughout the off season. But to see them in person, have those conversations uh, with our leadership group and otherwise, it's great. You'll still tinker the roster, but do you feel like you've made some ground up with? The Indians, the Astros,
0: the Yankees, and the Red Sox with the moves you've already made.
2: We feel like with we went into this offseason hoping to address pitching. You know, generally speaking, uh, certainly in the rotation and in the bullpen, we've addressed it in the bullpen. You know, adding three guys in Fernando Rodney, Zach Duke, and now most recently Addison Reed. We feel like we've bolstered that group with experience uh, and and guys who are really going to make an impact. We're still we're still engaged in the other markets. We th- we think there's starting markets that uh, still could prevent uh, excuse me present us a- an opportunity to get better. So we'll continue to do that. Right up maybe. even even through spring training,
0: I heard last night at the Diamond Awards you pretty much said we're not done. Like, you're confident you are going to add.
2: Is it safe to say you will add a starter here? You feel very confident about that? I feel confident we're going to stay in that mix. There's a number of guys on the board. I would say I quickly looked at it again this morning. I mean, there's 10 names up there that we think could help us for sure. And uh, we're not sure where that'll take us, but I, I, I feel good about the group we have. But I'm never going to stop finding opportunities to add to it if we can. I mean, it's the key patience. I mean, you
0: wait out on Reed. You see a guy like McGee get three years, Shaw get three years, some of these other contracts.
2: You wait on Reed, you get a steal of a deal. Is the key patience? I, I think you're exactly right. I think being patient in these markets is is important because you, you need to think about all the areas you want to address, and you got to think long-term about your team. And uh, when Addison came uh, available to us at a deal we felt was really a good one for us moving forward, uh, we struck, and we'll do the same if uh, we get to that on any other player on the board that it will help us. Are you looking to also add a bat at some point here before uh, spring training? I, we'll, we'll never rule in. Any- anything out we do feel really good about our position player club a lot of guys come back from that team the vast majority uh, and taking steps forward young players giving them the opportunity to continue to grow and develop that's important for our long-term sustainability so if the right opportunity presents we wouldn't rule it out but i would say i feel really good about our position player club
0: is there one or two players you can key on
2: and say this guy is going to take a big leap here in 2018? Well, it was fun last year to think about the leaps guys could take and we saw guys like Byron Buxton take that step forward, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Polanco, you know, guys across the board. I, I think all of these guys have a chance to take another step. I'll, I'll add Max Kepler to that group as somebody who I think can continue to grow and develop. He's excited about this year and we'll, we'll see it on the pitching side too. It's, it's fun. You never know exactly who's going to be this year's Trevor Hildenberger or someone who jumps up for us and is an impact guy down the stretch. So we need to create the conditions so that all players can have that opportunity. Where do things stand with Miguel Sano? Right now, uh, it's kind of twofold in our minds. One is what we can control around rehab process, and he's in Fort Myers. He's working, getting his conditioning up. Feels really good. The leg feels good. So we're excited about where he is from a physical standpoint, uh, and expect him to be good to go here soon. Uh, on the other, on the other side of things, with uh, the allegation and the investigation that's going on with Major League Baseball, uh, as we've said before, this is a jointly agreed investigation process uh, between the union and players and Major League Baseball, and they'll notify. Us when they get to a point where they have some resolution. So until that time, uh, we'll continue to focus on what we can control around his rehab process and aid and assist in any way with Major League Baseball. I'll
0: leave you with this, is there frustration though that there is this black eye? Just even with the allegation, I get it. Nothing's been proven. It's an allegation. Innocent before before being, you know, guilty, but but is there a frustration level from, from your standpoint that you guys are even
2: in this situation? We certainly take these things very seriously, but I, I think uh, it would be unfair to comment until everything has concluded around this process, so we want to make sure that uh, there's due process around this, and, and we'll address it at that time. Finally, my conversation with general manager, Scoop
0: Podcast regular, Fad Levine. Do you feel like with the moves you've made, the moves you still might make here that you guys have... Have closed the gap, you know, with whether it's the Indians, the
3: Astros, the Yankees, the Red Sox. I think we have a lot of reverence for the first grouping of teams in the American League, the, the, the Indians, Houston, Boston, New York, and those types of teams. So we're, we're, we're looking at it as how do we get a home playoff series first. That's our, that's our next goal as, as a group of, of front office executives right now. It's like, well, how, how can we put that together? And then after we accomplish that, I think then we start attacking how do we get further and deeper into the playoffs. This team is uh, very resilient, and I, I think you can't count them out against anything, as we saw time and time again last year. I think we're building out their resiliency. We've got a great core of talent. Uh, hopefully we've added some key pieces to the back end of the bullpen. Michael Pineda, an interesting guy who could help us at the end of the season, certainly going into 2019, and I'd like to think we're not done yet. On Pineda, I mean, September, is it realistic that he could help you guys in September? I, th- I think that's the earliest we, you'd look at it. And so, like... We're investing in him for 2019 and potentially beyond. Uh, Whatever he delivers in 2018 will be a little bit of icing on the cake, but I wouldn't put it out of uh, the realm of possibility that he could contribute down the stretch and be a bit of an interesting weapon for us, whether that's out of the pen or in the rotation.
0: Is it a good bet, a safe bet, that you guys are not done, that you're adding some starter here before you guys get down to Fort Myers?
3: It certainly won't be from a lack of effort. I mean, we are combing the market as, it's, as it stands right now. There's still 90 plus free agents out there. Starters are bound. Uh, there's a ton of position players. And then the trade market really hasn't even really opened up too much. Uh, by and large, all the trades have been financially motivated. You could even argue that Garrett Cole was, although that was a, a very good baseball trade, but it's probably motivated at the outset by a financial decision. So, There's a lot of markets yet to explore. We're going to continue to stay very active in those markets. Are
0: you still exploring, though, the trade market? Like A lot of us are looking at all these free agents available. You're right, 90-plus free agents, all these starters, just
3: thinking, oh, they'll sign one of these free agents. But is it possible you actually make a trade and and don't sign a free agent? We're looking at all 360 degrees of means of helping this team win. So whether that's a waiver claim, whether that's a trade, or whether that's free agency, Derek, myself, Rob Anthony, we're on the phone daily with agents and clubs to try to evaluate the marketplace, and it's a constantly evolving uh, a- application for us, but it's something that we're very engaged in right now. You've been very open
0: in the past, you know, handful of weeks about your love for you Darvish. I mean, he's still sitting out there.
3: I mean, does it make some sense just to extend him a nice offer and just get this thing done here like this weekend? You know, the, t- the top end of the starting pitching market is out there almost entirely. The, the, the top four guys who started at the top at the beginning of this offseason are still sitting out there. So, so too are a lot of the position players. Or a lot of the heads of the position player classes are still intact, so I, it's hard to really prognosticate why that is the case. But the top end of a lot of these markets are still still out there and floating around. We'll see how it fleshes out over the next couple of weeks. Did you have a
0: chance to catch up with Miguel Sano in Fort
3: Myers last week? We did. We did. It was a great opportunity to get a chance to visit with him, uh, kind of test to how he was doing in his rehab process, sat down with Tony Leo and, and Miguel and Paul Molitor and Derek and myself, and it was a very good conversation. Did can
0: even bring up the allegations at all?
3: You know, that was part of the conversation, but, you know, that that's in Major League Baseball's hands, and I think we're going to just let that part of it be resolved. Our attention and focus right now, as is Miguel's, is getting ready for the Major League season so that he can be as close to 100% come opening day.
0: I also had a chance to catch up with Brian Dozier. No extension talks yet. Brian Dozier entering his contract year. Same goes for Joe Mauer. Joe Mauer entering his contract year. No extension talks with Maurer's agent. No extension talks yet with Dozier's agent. Presumably those talks will take place During spring training, but as of now, no talks on either front. Also, had a chance to meet Royce Lewis. I can actually play back that conversation maybe on a future Scoop podcast. Anyway, the young man is very, very impressive. We know what his skill set is. Baseball America has him as the 24th ranked prospect in all of baseball. He's on a track, not necessarily a fast track, but a track to the majors, maybe by, who knows, late 2019 Or 2020. He is the number one ranked prospect in the Twins system. There's a reason why they took him number one overall last June, but just that was my first chance to meet him. So interacting with him, I can see why the Twins were so blown away by his maturity. Very impressive young man. Moving on to the Vikings, we'll get to all sorts of notes, but let me start with my conversation from Sunday night in our studio with Vikings legend Chuck Foreman. He was in studio, he watched the Vikings Eagles game. In our office, he did some analysis with me on Channel 5. On Sunday night, also Channel 45, but I did an extended chat with him for our website, KSTP.com. But I will also play the conversation here.
2: Here's what you may have missed on a recent Purple Podcast. When you end a game like that, when when you go up a 17-zip at halftime, and dominate as much as the Vikings did. And then it's slowly but surely the lead gets smaller and smaller. And you say, okay, this is Drew Brees, and Drew Brees is coming back. And then the Saints do just enough things to, to leave the window of opportunity open for Keenum and the Vikings' offense. And they come back and win like that. You finally start to your, start to say to yourself, "There's something. there's something to be capitalized on here that goes beyond the norm. I mean, the ending of that game, as you described – what the safety was thinking, I don't know. But it all sort of fits together with what the season has been about, and that is a really good defense and a good football team that's opportunistic, and somehow there's, like, magic dust or something. Like, it it, go, it goes beyond the explanation of, oh, yeah, that's just the Vikings. You can find the Purple Podcast on iTunes, Podcast One, or 1500ESPN.com's podcast page.
0: Chuck, always appreciate your time. It is now six consecutive conference championship game losses. Right. You know, you think about it, you were a part of one of those. I was part of one of You were part of that first one. Right. It's now five after your playing Probably career. Five after that. You were a part of three of the four Super Bowl losses. So 0-4 right. in the Super
4: Bowl, 0-6 in conference championships. Right. Is this franchise cursed? <laughs> no, it's not cursed. It's just a matter of coming to play. The only curse we have is everybody's got to be on the same page in those championship games. And if one guy's off, the whole team could be off. I mean, you've got the offensive line. If all those guys aren't playing well, then the offense is not going to function right. Defensive, if, if they're missing tackles and making bad calls like we had, it's, it's going to be disastrous. And, you know, the Vikings have lost a, a lot of tough games that way
0: they have okay specifically sunday night in philadelphia mm-hmm. explain to me what happened i mean they were up 7 nothing it's hard to remember but right. the vikings were winning 7 nothing right. they had the ball mm-hmm. the momentum shifted the pick six right. rashad hill beat by chris long right. he gets around the edge you know patrick robinson made a heck of a play it was unfortunate that the vikings couldn't knock robinson out of bounds because the Vikings' defense is that good that you figure maybe the Eagles won't find a way to score there. But Robinson takes it to the house. Right. And next thing you know, 7-7 seven to seven right. turns into 38-7. to seven. The Eagles scored 38
4: unanswered points. How do you explain that? Well, I wish I could explain it. Other than the fact that the bottom line is we did not play very good football. I said before during the week, I said, the Vikings have to play 60 minutes of error-free football in a championship game. They did not. In fact, they played one of the worst games I've seen them play all year. I think and, it was the worst. Yeah, no
0: doubt. I mean, you think about the third-down defense. The third-down defense was historically good. It, it was, and I'm not exaggerating. No, I mean, no, this not. was one of the best third-down defenses going back to the early 90s. Right. Yet tonight we're talking here on Sunday night. Right. Philadelphia converted 10 of 14 on third down. Right. 9 of their first 11 and at that point after the mm-hmm. after the first 11, it was ball game. Those last few where the Vikings did get the occasional third yeah. down stop. <laughs> right. It was meaningless because the outcome was so
4: lopsided. Right. I mean that was one of many things that was just so weird. Uh, well, other than the first 5 minutes of the game, um the Vikings this seemed like they were not into the game. I don't want to say lackadaisical, but, you know, they had no energy for the most part. They they didn't have the energy that they needed to play at that level. And I thought after last week's miracle, they come here to play like it's, you know, you know like, like bats out of hell, and they didn't. I mean, is it
0: hard to come off that sort of emotional high? The word is, from some insiders with the Vikings, right. is... Wednesday was not the best of practices. Right. But the word is, they felt like they had a good practice on Thursday, mm-hmm. had a good practice on Friday, the walkthrough on Saturday. They felt good hopping on that airplane right. heading into Philadelphia. But clearly, things were not good. I mean, it's one thing
4: to lose. Right. Chuck, they got embarrassed. Yeah, you know, they they got beat up pretty good. They got embarrassed. So something was wrong. What was wrong? Well, what they didn't come. They either they didn't come to play. I mean, you have to be mentally in tune to play at a high level. Mm-hmm. And obviously our guys weren't. I mean, don't miss I, I I think this guy, this team has a great makeup, a great bunch of guys and everything, but somewhere some along somewhere along that line from last week to this week they didn't get themselves up ready to play. Not at this level. And if you can't do that, you can't win. How about the missed
0: tackles? I mean, you think about LeGarrette Blount running right. through right. Andrew Sandejo. We right. don't see that very often. Never. You know, you think about Anthony Barr mm-hmm. on a key third down. Doesn't wrap up Jay Ajayi. Right. Then Philadelphia eventually goes on to score a touchdown. Right. You know, Harrison Smith had a coverage <laughs> breakdown at the end of the first half. Right. Doesn't when Zach Ertz happens? gets a 30-something yard gain. Right. You know, then Philadelphia gets that extra field goal to go up 24-7 at the half. Right. There were so many uncharacteristic things that took place Sunday night. It right. was. They were not. That's what's the head-scratcher to me.
4: They were not mentally ready to play this game. Yeah. And if you're not mentally ready, you can't get your physical self ready. So that's just the bottom line. Those guys have to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I was not ready. Or I was not ready to play the type of game I needed to. And they weren't from, I mean, I'm talking about from all aspects of the game. I mean, I guess be careful what you wish for. Guilty. I thought going to
0: Philadelphia, I mean, there was a reason why the Vikings were favored. I thought, you know what, all the Vikings have to do is go through the Carson Wentz-Less Eagles.
4: That's what we all thought. You know, Nick Foles was brilliant, though. He was, but you got to remember, Nick Foles (laughs) had won, what, 27 games?
0: Yeah, he was really good a few years ago. A few years ago. But he well, wasn't good when you think about the end of the season, the Raiders game, the right, Cowboys right. game. But the but the still, defense
4: won them that Atlanta
0: game last week. It wasn't right. Nick Foles. Was, I mean, he was okay.
4: Right, right. He was just okay, but they still won. They won their game and came back and ready to play this game. We won our game, came in, and we weren't ready to play this game. And I think Coach Zimmer said it, too. He, does, he, he can't put his finger on it, but I guess, I guess they better figure it out.
0: Is there anything to be said about playing on grass? Is it just a coincidence that the Vikings struggled in Washington, at least defensively, Carolina, Chicago, right. London against the Browns, even the lowly Browns put 16 on the board on grass? You think about Pittsburgh week two, you think about Sunday in Philadelphia. Right. Is it just a coincidence that the Vikings' defense couldn't perform it at even an average level on grass? Is there something to be said about that?
4: No. No. All right, Vikings just played poorly. What and this happened to be playing poorly on grass? That has nothing to do with win or losing. You know, you got to bring your A game, and the Vikings just didn't do it. And so, you know, it's over. You know, now they got to go back and improve on this. Season, which was a great season. It was a great Nobody season. Nobody expected them. You no, know, not a two. When Sam Bradford went out, everybody said it was over. When Cook went out, they said it was definitely over. Guilty. So here we are in the NFC Championship game. We played poorly, but we got here. And um, there's a lot of good things that came. We found a really good quarterback this year, even though he, he's he's. You know, people didn't think he was going to be the quarterback. He was. He turned around, to, turned out to be a pretty good quarterback for us. So they've got a lot of work to do, but I, I'm confident they'll come back and and do some good things. How about the Eagles
0: taking advantage of of some mismatches? You know, yeah. Xavier Rhodes is on the sideline. Right. You know what do they do? They go at Terrence Newman, yep. who was one on one right. with Alshon Jeffrey. Jeffrey beats him for a long touchdown. I mean, that's what you do, right? I mean, isn't that what the game of football is all about, exploiting matchups? I thought Philadelphia was brilliant at exploiting a lot of
4: matchups. They did, and usually Newman is pretty good at it, but, you know, Philadelphia just was hitting on all cylinders, and they couldn't do anything wrong, let's face it, and everything we did was wrong. So that's just the makeup of this game, and it's over and done with, and now the Vikings have no choice but to go to the drawing board and see what they can do for the next season. It's hard though. I mean, I think they have a window that's still
0: open. (laughs) No question. But there is so much turnover Mm -hmm. year after year, especially in the NFC. Right. But even in the AFC, but but specifically the NFC, there's so much turnover. So even Mm -hmm. though I feel like they have a lot of good players coming Mm -hmm. back next year, you're not guaranteed durability. (laughs) No. You know, heck, look at the schedule next year. Right. That is a loaded schedule. That is a first place schedule. Heck, you have to go to Philadelphia Mm -hmm. next year.
4: Well. And certainly, so, come but to there's play, nothing so. guaranteed. You know, so that's
0: where maybe it's as unfortunate as anything else right. that these opportunities don't come along very often. <laughs> it came along. Except it's one those. thing if they lost a right. close game, they were competitive. Mm-hmm. It might be easier to accept. They didn't show up.
4: Well, no, they didn't. And, and, and uh, it's hard to understand why you couldn't be ready to play in a game like this, but. <laughs> What do you say? You look at it, you watch TV, it's not rocket science. They got beat up pretty good on offense and on defense. So what you see is what you got.
0: How much will they miss Pat Shermer? He will be announced here in the coming days as as the new Giants coach. The Vikings now have to find a new offensive mm-hmm. coordinator.
4: Well, I think they'll meet, meet, uh, miss Pat Shermer a lot. I think he's one of the main reasons why that offense was – much better this year because of his ability to put players uh in in a position to be successful he he utilized their abilities and things like that i think he's going to be a great head coach we're going to miss him here um for sure and uh, hopefully whoever he had as his assistant because he might take somebody with him you never know correct that uh is uh used to running his style of uh Of offense, we can have that maintained. I'm sure we'll be okay. All right, now
0: I'll leave you after this. The elephant in the room is who will be the quarterback next year? (laughs) That is now a hot talker. It's been a talker for a while, but now that the season is over, there's finality.
3: You know, will it be Case Keenum?
0: Is it Teddy Bridgewater? Is it Sam Bradford? All three are unrestricted free agents. Mm -mm. If you were running the Vikings, if you had to, would you put the franchise tag on Case Keenum? That means you're paying him. $22, $23, $24 $22, $23, 24000000 million a year. Are you willing to pay Case Keenum that much money? I,
4: I think I'd give him that, that franchise tag for one year to see if it's uh, something that's yeah. if he's going to improve and be a better quarterback I think I'd do that for him. Right. I, I think he's earned that, but as far as I think law, too, a, a, a long-term deal, no. Yeah, because we got Teddy Bridgewater there, and well, you got to resign him. You got to resign him. But, Does you want to come back? Uh, well, if he's not guaranteed to be the starter, well, then how can he be guaranteed to be the well, starter? You know, he hadn't done anything to prove right. to be the starter yeah. in the first place. You know, I mean, he's you know he's got a lot of ability, but he certainly hasn't done anything on the football field to say, okay, um, he's my guy. You know, he's done some good things, no question. He's got some talent, but he's not developed. And so, you know, the jury's still out on Teddy, even though I like him as a quarterback. But I'm talking about the guy that can get it done, and Case Keenan showed that. Now, Sam Bradford, we know what he can do when he's healthy. But you can't give a guy that 20 some 20 some million dollars when he's only going to give you two or three games a year. So that's how I'm looking at it. Case is my guy, and hopefully he can sign Teddy if he can you know you just going to have to go get somebody else to back him up.
0: Chuck, thank you so much for being
4: here. People can google your name. Right. You have a website.
0: Right. You know, if they want to track down some Chuck Foreman memorabilia, they want you for some sort of speaking engagement, right. maybe an autograph show, you're certainly available.
4: Yeah, chuckforeman44.com. chuckforeman44.com. You also have a Twitter oh, Chuck account. chuckforemanhof Chuckformer44hof.com. If people Google your name, yeah,
0: they'll find it. It'll come up. Right. Also, you are on Twitter, even though you don't really know yeah, that you're on yeah, Twitter. Right. Is that yeah. your son Jay
4: running that Twitter I, account? I, I, my son Anthony. Okay. And so I, I'm not. I've never been on Twitter. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I don't know how to tweet. That's so fantastic. I haven't tried to tweet, but you know, maybe I should start that. Chuck,
0: thank you so much. Mm-hmm. We appreciate your contributions to KSTP.com and also on Channel 45. And Channel 5. Thank you so much, sir. It. Thank you very much. It's unfortunate that we couldn't be talking about the Vikings yeah, going to the Super Bowls. you know, purple, and I yeah, we had was all these grandiose plans. And is, and we had all these plans. Yeah, I mean, now, from our standpoint, we had to plan as if the Vikings were going right, to win. Right. And that's why it's the ultimate so, kick in the groin, just because yeah, it was just hard lost. to we, see them losing... That definitively. Right. Yeah. I understood there was a chance they would lose. Don't yeah, get me wrong, even yeah. though I picked them to win. So don't listen to my well, prognostication. Too, but I'm
4: just saying it's just the way we lost. It's just like we weren't even there. It was it was. Yeah, it it was. was a bad game.
0: Yeah, I know. I hate I'll say it. It was embarrassing. embarrassing Great season. Right. When you win right. 14 games, right. when you're 2-2 two and two to get to 14 wins, right. let's not forget that. This was a successful year for the Vikings. Very successful. But when talking about this one game... Right. You know, being on the doorstep of right. being in the Super Bowl in your home stadium, right. they laid an egg. It was embarrassing. They certainly did. So,
4: well, it's it is what it is, and um, now they just got to get ready for the next year. And of course, the Super Bowl's here. We'll be busy doing things there.
0: Piggybacking on a couple things brought up in the Chuck Foreman conversation, Pat Shermer to the Giants is now official. He'll sign a five-year deal. Look for a news conference later this week as they will introduce him in the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. Also, it was Corey Clement, not Jay Ajayi, that Anthony Barr missed the tackle on. Anthony Barr, by the way, suffering a hamstring injury, I'm told, in that game. So he bailed from the Pro Bowl. They said it was an injury designation. They did not say what the injury is. I can tell you here on the Scoop Podcast, the injury is a hamstring injury. Also on the Vikings injury front, the Vikings are still evaluating center Pat Elfline. He was on crutches. I know he was on crutches. On Monday, they hope to know more on Tuesday, the severity of his foot injury. Also on the Pro Bowl front, Harrison Smith, as I tweeted on Monday morning, he is going to the Pro Bowl, so is Linval Joseph and Kyle Rudolph. A few notes from the Vikings locker room on Monday. I was in the locker room on Monday, in addition to Elfline being on crutches. Jarek McKinnon talking to him. He is very open-minded about free agency. I do wonder if Pat Shermer tries to get him in New York with the Giants. I know Shermer likes McKinnon a lot, so keep an eye on that possibility. I talked to Latavius Murray. He's under contract for next year, but, hey, most guys are year to year based on their cap number. Latavius Murray said, though, he would love to be back. He loves this locker room. This is the best locker room he's ever been in. He thinks the world of the Vikings, Latavius Murray, would love to be back with the Vikings in 2018. Teddy Bridgewater said, definitively, yes, I am a starter somewhere in 2018, at least in my mind. I don't know if that will be here. On Case Keenum, yes, the franchise tag is an option. I know John Elway has had interest in the past in Denver, so if some other team were to come after Case That would be one to keep an eye on. I don't know yet on Kirk Cousins. I don't know yet on Drew Brees. My opinion, you at least call on Drew Brees, even if it's a foregone conclusion, that he'll re-sign with the Saints. I have him tell me no, but I don't know what the Vikings' interest is in Drew Brees. A lot of that stuff will pick up steam around the combine. But at this point, if I had to bet, subject to change, but if I had to bet, Case Keenum is back with the Vikings in 2018 also Dalvin Cook is up to jogging as he rehabs from that knee injury he's up to jogging no timetable has been set so he doesn't know if he'll be able to do much come OTAs and minicamp heading into training camp in Eagan next July and August but at this point he is up to jogging I'll finish with a handful of non-twins and Vikings notes. A reminder, because I think I got buried in Scoop Podcast episode 122, ran into a high-ranking Wolves official... At the Gophers Boilermakers game at Williams Arena on the 13th of January, he laughed at the Basketball Insider's report that the Clippers offered Blake Griffin for Carl Anthony Towns. Absolutely laughed. This was face-to-face. This wasn't via email or text. I was able to read the body language. I take this high-ranking official at face value that that report is bogus. The Clippers did not propose that specific trade. But have the teams talked? sure. You know, the Wolves have checked in on DeAndre Jordan, for example. They are one of a number of teams that has checked in on the availability of Jordan. On Jimmy Butler and Jamal Crawford, those guys not playing on Monday against the Clippers, I'm told, on Butler, the knee injury, it is a minor injury, short-term. He should be back before the week is over with the toe injury that Jamal Crawford has. Maybe that's an extra day or two. I think Jimmy is further along than Jamal, from what I can gather. But again, short-term injury For Jamal Crawford, trade talk does remain slow. Typically, trade talk doesn't pick up until a few days before the deadline. So the deadline is still a couple weeks away. Sure, the Wolves are engaged on a daily basis. With teams, I know that some national pundits are suggesting that the Wolves have some interest in Jordan Clarkson. I will check on that. I don't know right now. Admittedly, I've been very busy with a lot of Vikings work dovetailing into Super Bowl work. Yes, the main job, the TV job, is monopolizing a lot of my professional time right now. But promise, I will check on the Jordan Clarkson talk if the Wolves have some interest in jordan clarkson i still will be surprised if they move the oklahoma city pick anywhere but sure they are open to moving cole aldrich's contract although i will mention again they love him as a teammate they love him in practice they love him behind the scenes they really value cole aldrich but yes it is a valuable contract to trade so if they can get better trust me they are open to moving that contract they have some second round picks They could move. Heck, they could ultimately move the Oklahoma City pick. I'm just saying I would be surprised if they do. In the last handful of days, the Wolves have scouted Duke, Miami, Louisville, and Boston College among many schools. It's that time of the year, right? I mean, heck, they have a bunch of professional scouts, collegiate scouts. That's what those scouts do. They go around. They check out a lot of the collegiate players like Brian Pauga. Is the Wolves, what, VP of personnel? He's got a big-wig title. Anyway, Pauga was recently at the Louisville-Boston College game. On the Gophers basketball team, Amir Coffey is back. He is back sooner than I even thought. I hinted, I can't remember if I did it on Scoop Podcast episode 122. I did on my TV version of The Scoop, which airs Thursday nights, Channel 5, 650, that Amir Coffey was way ahead of schedule in his rehab process, that there was optimism he would be back before the end of the season. But did I think he'd be back on January 20th? No, I did not. He's still not practicing, but the fact that Amir Coffey is back from that right shoulder injury is very encouraging. Dupree McBrayer with the foot injury, still not practicing either. So it's hard for the Gophers to do much in practice with no Coffee. And no McBrayer. The Gophers have lost five of their last six games. They return to action on Tuesday night at the Barn against Northwestern. Three and six in the Big Ten. Antonio Montero, Mr. Football from Eden Prairie, got a rice offer over the weekend. I reported that on Twitter. So he's got the preferred walk-on offer from the Gophers. He's got the rice offer. He's got some... Decisions to make, he has been admitted to the Carlson School of Management. So if education is important, maybe he'll lean the Gophers offer. But hey, Rice offer at the Division I school, that might be hard to turn down. Gary Trent Jr., former Apple Valley star, the ACC Player of the Week. His shooting numbers have been phenomenal since about mid-December. He is a future MBA pick Bart Miller, former Gophers offensive line coach, off to Ohio per his Twitter page. He will coach at the University of Ohio. Be sure to support the sponsor of the scoop podcast, Skull Marketing online, schoolmarketing dot com, a business to business marketing agency. They want to help your small business with web development, pay-per-click advertising, and social media management among many areas. Again, the website, SkollMarketing.com, or call now to schedule your free 30-minute consultation, 612 787 six one two. 787 Skull. Because the schedule allowed me here on Monday, the 22nd, because of the blizzard, hey, I wasn't going to hop in the car, get stuck in traffic for two hours driving back to the West Metro Estate. I said, hey, I'll do a podcast. So, if the schedule allows, I'd actually like to do another podcast mid to later in the week. I can dig more on the twins and their pursuit of you, Darvish, and a bit more on the wolves before things get hectic again over the weekend with all sorts of. Super Bowl coverage on Channel 5 and Channel 45. Always appreciate you checking out this podcast when you have so many options. It means a lot to me. Thank you so much. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 123.